Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for July 5th, 2015. Thank you for a time that we can uh, consider your ways and return to you and seek after your wisdom and righteousness in the midst of a dark, chaotic, and confused generation where everything is upside down except your church. Your church has been called to be a light in the midst of darkness, to be truth in the midst of lies, to be righteous in the midst of wickedness, to be peaceful in the times of anxiety. We pray that we can express and communicate your love in the world full of lust and evil desires, O oh God. Bless your word and prosper it in the lives of your people. Thank you for Pastor GF and Rose Watkins and the Watkins family and Powerhouse Church. Bless them, Lord. Enrich them, Lord. Let them continue to have influence in the land in their sphere of uh, and territory, O oh God. We give you thanks for this day you have made for us to rejoice and be glad. And we welcome your word, Lord, knowing that it is a timely word for our lives to allow us to have peace and joy and be able to walk like you desire us to walk. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Um, let's go to Revelations 22, 11. This is the last book of the Bible. We're going to start, if you will, at the end, and we'll work our ways backwards. Um, this is where, at the end of God's heart, because he's going to draw that line between right and wrong, he's going to come and make a stark contrast. And uh, the word decision means to separate or you distinguish or you make a mark. Uh, and those people that do not have the ability are those people that write books like Fifty Shades of Grey. They don't, they're all over the place. They don't know where it goes. But the closer we move to God's light, the more we would see this stark contrast where he says, he who is unjust, um, that is not walking in the righteousness, the, the word just, justice, um, he who is unjust, let him be unjust still more. Let him increase in unrighteousness. Um, he who is filthy, let him be filthy even more. Uh, this, this is a, a word that, that almost encourages those who want to do wrong. Listen, uh, somebody came up to my father one day and says, hey, uh, Pastor Molina, is smoking marijuana wrong? And, he, you know, he was trying to play with that. And my dad says, no, man, you should try heroin. It's a lot better. You should go into deep darkness so you see how wicked and, and, and awful you are. And so when we negotiate in the land of mediocrity, it serves for great confusion. So um, one man was driving a big pickup truck, and he was going around boasting. He goes, when I'm driving my pickup truck, I get to look, and I get to see the girls wearing skirts. I see their thighs. I see their knees. And I said, brother, don't waste your time. There's a, there's, there's a place down here. I'll give you the address. It's a strip club. You can see them completely naked. Why are you flirting around with, with a little bit of sin? Get into the main. Go, go deep into your sin. Quit being a wicked man just a little bit. If you like caca, go eat caca. If you like to go and be in the dunghill, go deep into your darkness so you see the effects of those that are meandering through 
the little things. So, but, but also he says, he who is righteous, let him be more righteous still. And this is, I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years, and I can't tell you there's not been a time where I want more to be like Jesus. I want to be more faithful. I want to be faithful, 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 not just faithful. I want to increase in my faithfulness. Uh, an increase in knowing God, an increase and in not be settled. And I can tell you in our human nature, you just get to be a little bit good and you think you're all good. And that's kind of wicked. Um, so let us not grow tired of increasing in our measure of faithfulness, in our measure of uh, righteousness. And so that's what it's saying there. He who is righteous, continue to pursue more excellence in righteousness. Don't say, um, Pastor, uh, I used to come to church on Sundays. Now you got me coming on Sundays, Wednesdays, and Monday. That's too much. Listen, I'm not going to stop till you come every day to the house of the Lord. Um, David said like that. He says, uh, I will be in the house of the Lord forever. I, I want to dwell in his, in his hiding place. So he who's righteous, let him be righteous more. And he who is holy... He who is separated for God, he who is trying to tune in to God's plan for his life, let him be connected, let him be holy, let him be separated even more. And, you know, there's, I, I guarantee there's going to be no regrets on the day Jesus returns for you to be more righteous and more holy. You're not going to have any. The other guys are going to be really affected. They, they have spots of, of intermittent faithfulness. Uh, one of the young men that was here some years ago says, Pastor, if I come to church every day, all year long, and I miss one day, I'm still faithful. I go, no, sir. Your definition of faithful is sad. Please, I told him, please do not teach your wife your definition of faithfulness. Because she could have been with you all year, and then that one Saturday, she went with another man. And she's still faithful. And we know that not to be true. Faithful is 100%. It's not scattered. It's not intermittent. It's not sometimes. It's not most of the times. It's not often. It's every time. So in that regards, um, that is God's standard. Uh, Paul says, I haven't reached that standard yet, but one thing I do, I'm doing everything in my power to go in that direction. Uh, I want to get to where Jesus wants me to get. Now, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1, we're talking about troubled times. And, and when we have the highest law of the land telling two men they could come together and get married, and then they force that upon the rest of the states... In these days, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord, Christ, our gathering together to him, we ask you. Every time, let's go back first. Every time the, the disciples saw something disgusting down here, they were following Jesus. Their first question is, when are you coming back? We want to get out of here. We don't want to be in a place so disgusting so twisted, so troubled like what we're going through. So many times the Lord says, look, while upon the earth there's trouble, fear not. 
you know something? Uh, I have overcome the world, and I have a way out of this. And that's what our mindset has to be. Not, uh, Lord, hurry up and finish this off so we could get to heaven. Uh, you'll see the next verse, he says, concerning the coming of the Lord, we'd want you not to be soon shaken in your mind, worrying or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as it is from us, as if from us, as though the day of the Christ had come. Uh, don't be shaken up. It's hard not to be shaken up. Um, one of the reasons the, there's a high index of suicide and and people giving up hope is because they're seeing that that it's closing in it's closing in it's closing in it seems like darkness continues to grow and verse three he says like this let no one deceive you by any means so in in the last days when there's a lot of trouble deception is rampant there's, there's a lot of trickery taking place in the atmosphere. Um, that's why our generation, above every generation, likes to watch reality television. Because they're like, everything is a lie. What's real? What's true? What could I depend on? Uh, I thought my dad was real. I thought my, my family was real. I thought the world was real. Uh, but deception is great. For the day of the Lord will not come unless there's a great falling away first unless the falling away comes first the word apostasy that means people will no longer hang on to truth there's going to be a lot of people that decide i don't want truth and, and we're seeing that more and more today and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition so there there is a, a uh, an appointment of leadership that is truly twisted, no longer following after God, no longer following after his uh, measure of righteousness. Verse 4, this is, this is what, the, the, what creates darkness in our day, who opposes, the word opposes comes from opposition, he's on the wrong team, he's not on God's team, and exalts himself. Before God, you got to humble yourself. you got to take the low road. Submission, authority, obedience, uh, honor. That, that's the kingdom of God. But this guy, not only does he, is he on the opposite team, he exalts himself above all that is called God. He, here's God's standard. He raises above and he puts his own standard. He's walking his own laws. And, and there's a people after that. Not only this man who would become the world leader, leading the whole world into that darkness, um, but everyone who follows after that same DNA, uh, opposing and exalting, opposing and exalting. We're to do the opposite. We're not to oppose, we're to be in agreement. That's why we have the word amen. You should be shouting amen right now. Amen. <laughs> uh, amen is agreement. It's not in opposition. I want to know what God wants, and I want to say amen to it. What do you want, God? That's what I want. What do you want, God? That's what I want. In agreement, and then instead of exalting, humbling submitting, obeying. All these words are words consistent with the character of Christ. We call ourselves Christians, like Christ. Instead of being proud and arrogant, uh, above all that is called God uh, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God. 
um, I just had a, one of the, the young boys here at church come into my, in my, in my office this morning. He says, Pastor, uh, I can play this game and I get to create an avatar. And the avatar is me, but in little, and I get to play the game. Uh, um, it's a game. It's something that is played, but it is also the mystery of iniquity. The, 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 the mystery of iniquity is when man exalts himself above God. So what did God do for man in the beginning? He says, let me make man in my image and likeness. And, and I'm God and he's man. Well, an avatar creates something in your image and likeness. And then you're God over that person's life in that game. Uh, so it's, it's just streams of, of what the devil wants. And he says he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Uh, many men come home and they tell their wives, I don't believe in God. If there's God, I'm God in this house. Well, the first one that knows he's a jerk is his wife. And then his kids find out and, and everybody knows he's not God. But that is the mystery of iniquity. When man makes himself God. Now, one of the things that the mystery of godliness is that God took the form of a man. He, he humbled himself. And the Bible says that's Jesus. And Jesus walked among us, not only being a man, but being a servant to man. And he obeyed to the point of death and death on the cross. So the way of Christ is humility, is submission, is obedience, is, is servitude. But this man is doing the opposite. And that's what's creating darkness in this world. He sits as God in the temple of God. He's not worshiping anything but himself and showing himself that he is God, holding himself out to be God. So in that manner, um, God, since day one, doesn't play with this stuff. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, it says that we should consider God's track record. What is God's track record? He did not spare the angels who sinned. That, that first person who lifted himself up above God, he says, I'll be like God. I'll put my throne above God. Uh, he led a rebellion in the heavens. One third of the angels followed him was Lucifer, Satan. So this is the DNA of satanic character. Uh, not to submit, not to obey, not to serve. Um, and, and there it says in 2 Peter 2.4, If God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down. Say cast down. That's, that's where these people who lift themselves up end, end up cast down. The Lord, uh, that's the act of God's righteous judgment. He cast down to hell and delivered them. He took them straight to the chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. The deeds that they did were not, he didn't spare them. He didn't say, well, I'll overlook this. He says, he grabbed them. He held them in chains of darkness reserved for judgment. These angels who rebelled. And that's, that's one example where God says, I don't play around with sin. Sin is leaving God's righteous ways. And so judgment is returning things to their righteous uh, path. Verse 5, he says, not only the angels, but the ancient world. He did not spare the ancient world. There was a judgment. How many of you know uh, the flood of Noah? That was a big judgment upon the earth. Uh, the whole earth was brought into judgment, but he saved Noah. 
one of eight people, this preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. So he did not spare the angels. He did not spare the ancient world, a whole civilization. And, and that's the, some of the people says, God's not going to kill everybody and just keep a couple. He's already done it once. God has already told us how he does business. It doesn't matter if it's one man. It doesn't matter if it's one family. Everyone else got destroyed in the flood, in the judgment. You should know that. That God is not entering into feelings. Ay, pobrecito, but how about the little babies that were there? Or how about the little grandmas? Or, or how about, you know, when judgment comes, it's fast and it's furious. He does not pull punches. And, and he says he did not spare the angels. He did not spare the ancient world. But there was salvation for one man who was living right and his wife and three boys. And, and they were all in order, those eight people. is Noah, his wife, three sons, and their wives. So six people. But the rest of the world, he brought in a flood on the world of the ungodly. There was judgment. And, and so these acts of God bringing judgment upon the world. Let's read the next verse where it says, and we have another example. Let's go to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember the ashes that condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who would afterward live ungodly. So the third example is the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, where a judgment came and only one family was delivered, Lot and his two daughters. Um, he tried to get the son-in-laws to come along, but they laughed. They're like, oh, so you, you think God's going to judge this city? Look how, look how prosperous and fruitful and look how, listen to me. You go there now and the only thing that's there is the Dead Sea. There's not even grass growing in that place. Um, when I read the verse there uh, in Genesis about Lot's wife turning back and she turned into a pillar of salt like that. And I was a new Christian reading this in the Bible for the first time. And I was like, this is why I don't like the Bible because people don't turn into a pillar of salt just because they look back. I was, I was using reasoning. And then 20 years later, I'm watching the Discovery Channel and they get into a submarine and they go to the bottom of the Dead Sea and they find four feet of salt covering the city of Sodom. Sulfur that was burning, falling from the sky and it buried that woman and that's why she became a pillar of salt. They found all the things, rocks, just stacked up with salt on top of them. 20 years later, I'm finding out that what the Bible said 6,000 years ago is true. And a lot of times we read the Bible, don't understand the context, so we say that can't be. Guess what? It is. And heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. They're true words. And so the city of Sodom got destroyed by judgment, making them an example to those who would come afterwards that were living ungodly. Um, let's go to the next one. It says, uh, verse 7, except Lot... He delivered righteous Lot from who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. This man lived in that city, just like we're living in the United States. And the Bible says he was tormented. That word oppressed 
it's disgusting to live in a nation where all the laws are being established that are unrighteous, ungodly. And he was overwhelmed by this because of their filthy conduct. He was tormented. Verse 8 says, For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Uh, Chris Estrada just came into my office this morning and he's so distraught. He's Pastor, how could they do that? How could they put laws? And, and guess what? It is. It torments. It's, it's, to be able to live in a place where they're passing laws that are unrighteous um, and seeing. He says, that means when I go into a restaurant, I'm going to see two guys there kissing. And, and he's nine years old. And he says, I, I, I don't want to see that. I don't want to experience the debauchery and the abomination that's coming down the pike. And guess what? Uh, we need to concern ourselves to know that, that in these times, uh, the angels were not spared. In the times of Noah, they were not spared. And even Lot was, was delivered. So what do we learn from this? And, and I, I believe this is what, why we come to the house of God. We need to learn something. Verse 9, it says, um, So we must know then, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of trials and troubles. And reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. Can you guys receive that today? That, that while things are horrible, God splits the line to deliver the godly in peace and keep them safe. And then punish the ungodly for what they're doing. And, and they seem to think that God has forgotten. Uh, they've forgotten God and they think God has forgotten. They don't know that God is going, uh, pretty much they're like, yeah, we, we got these guys right where we want them. All these righteous people who want to live right for God. We, we finally put our laws upon them. No, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of these trials. He knows how to keep us safe. He knows how to keep us in a refuge. Uh, he knew how to keep Noah in that ark. And, and the, the, the floods drowned everybody else, but the righteous were not touched. Uh, and that's why I, I love uh, that Psalm 91, we can read it, I have it here in my notes. Uh, Psalm 91, that it says that a thousand, verse 7, a thousand will fall at my side. So I don't have to be anxious, I don't have to be overwhelmed. Uh, a thousand will fall at my side, uh, at my left side, and ten thousand on my right side, but it's not going to come near to me. While, while these things are coming down, a lot of people are being lost. 1,000 at the left, 10,000 at the right, but it shall not come near to me. Verse 8, only with your eyes shall you look and see. It says with your eyes, you're going to see the reward of the wicked. You're going to be here covered, surrounded by destruction, but you look around and you see the reward of the wicked. You'll be able to see that. Verse 9. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. Because you've decided to be righteous. Um, don't allow these days to twist your thoughts. Well, it must be that God is letting go. It must be that God is softening up and allowing people to, to walk. No. Even, because you've made him your refuge, verse 10, it is no evil shall befall you. No plague shall come near your dwelling. That's, that's, that's God's 
provision for us in the midst of, of these crazy things that are going on. So verse 9, the Lord knows how to deliver, for 2 Peter 2, 9, he knows how to deliver the godly out of trouble, and he knows how to keep the unjust for judgment. Verse 10, specifically, these are, these are now he's going to tell you who these wicked people are, especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uh, uncleanness, that's sexual immorality, and those who despise authority. Those are the two things that will bring God's destruction and judgment upon your life. For you to be sexually unclean into all sorts of uncleanness, uh, the Bible says what that is with respect to homosexuality and sodomy and adultery and fornication. And those who despise authority, those that don't know how to obey, to submit, to uh, honor, uh, to walk in submission. They are presumptuous. This is what causes them to receive judgment. They think it's all about them. They're self-willed, means they're selfish. They're not expressing love. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, those people that are keeping the way of the Lord. Uh, they, they, they trash talk. Um, and so verse 11, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring such accusations against them before the Lord. Um, so in the midst of this destruction, in the midst of, of this craziness, the atmosphere is one, 2 Peter 3, 1, the following paragraph uh, here, the following chapter. Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. I want to remind you something. Um, verse 2. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and saviors, what we were teaching. Verse 3, what's going to happen first? Knowing this first, that scoffers, mockers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts. They're not walking according to truth, but desire. Verse 4, and they will be saying, where is the promise of his coming? Why are you guys still keeping these ancient rules? For since the fathers have fallen asleep, since we know, my grandfather used to say, my father used to say, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Verse 5, they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens of old were created and the earth standing out of water, out of the earth uh, in water. Verse 6, by which the worlds that then existed perished being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, verse 7, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire at the day of judgment, the perdition of ungodly men. Uh, and so what do we do in that same, well, how, do we, how do we understand judgment and punishment and evil? Verse 8, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Verse 9, the reason the Lord is extending the time and allowing evil to take place, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but he's patient. He's, he's being long-suffering towards us because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord is wanting people to change their direction because what's happening or what's coming down the pike is not very beneficial. Uh, 
In verse 10, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So the Lord already knows that this day is coming, a day of great judgment. Um, and, and what we should be doing in the midst of this, that we're right on the threshold of these things, verse 11, therefore, since all these things will occur and the earth is going to be undone, he says this word, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? These are the two things that we should be pressing for. Yeah, I'm overwhelmed that they're allowing gay people to get married. They're allowing abortions to take place. They're taking prayer out of school. All this stuff is deep darkness. But Joaquin, how about your life? How about areas in your life that need to be polished, cleaned up, and corrected. I, I know that's going on over there. It's, it's disgusting. But this gives me an opportunity to focus on me praying more, reading the Bible more, walking as a son of God in the midst of darkness. I, I need to be where I need. There, there may not be where, where there need, but I need to be doing what I need. Uh, and I need to perfect this. Verse 12, looking, what, honor, what ought be your conduct and godliness? looking and hastening for the coming of the day of God. I, I want to be ready when Jesus comes. I want to not be dragging my feet or being rebellious or disobedient. I want to start reading the word more. Uh, verse 13, uh, Nevertheless, we, according to this promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Yeah, we're going to end up in that place. Uh, Verse 14, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, since we know these things are coming very quickly, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. They're not concerned about getting ready, but our concern should be getting ready. Verse 15, and consider that the patience of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved Paul speaks wisdom, things he writes. Verse 16, also in all his epistles, speaking of them, these things which are some things hard to understand. Paul is writing about how we should be living at another level and some people don't understand it. And other people, not that they don't understand it, but they, with which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do the rest of the scriptures. Uh, verse 17, you therefore, beloved, since you know these things beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led with the error of the wicked. Don't let pride come into your life. Don't let mediocrity for you now to have 50 shades of gray in your life and, and compromise and negotiate. Um, do not fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the wicked error of the wicked. Verse 18, Instead of being led away to the error of the wicked, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow. Grow in the things that you're learning. Uh, don't, don't treat because they're being wicked and you're like, well, at least I'm not married with a gay person. Yeah, but you still don't do what God is calling you to do. Well, at least I don't. Yeah, but you're not doing what you know God has spoken in your life. Romans 2.4, don't despise the riches of his goodness. And his patience. Romans 2.4. All these things of God's goodness and patience 
and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. You still have time to get things straight. Now watch, watch this split in verse 5. But in accordance with your hardness and impenitent heart, if you decide not to walk like God wants you to walk, all you're doing is treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Verse 6, who will render to each one according to his deeds. God will uh, dispense his judgment. Verse 7, eternal life to those, who does eternal life go to? Heaven. To those who by patience and continuance in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality. Verse 8, but to those who are selfish, self-seeking, disobedient, ungodly, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. One of the things, um, one of the things that I see that is so powerful is that the people bug out. They say, why do I have to go to church? And why do I have to dress like that? And why do I have to act like that? And then they go over here. Hey, man, yeah, put a tattoo right here on your forehead. Okay, and a tattoo right here. And, a, and put an earring in your nose and in your ring. They don't obey righteousness, but they're over here obeying everything unrighteous. So it says to those who are self-seeking, who do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. They're doing everything ungodly, arguing that the church is forcing them to obey. But in the world, they're obeying. Hey, bring a six-pack. Bring six. Yesterday, there was two girls, poor girls. They were celebrating July 4th, just them two, with like six, six-packs of beer. And, and this is their obeying their lust, obeying debauchery, destruction. So that one of the things also that the devil says, Joaquin, you're never going to be able to be an obedient man of God. You're never going to be able to. I said, that's true. But wait a second, why do I obey you? Why every time you tell me to do something wrong, I, I'm quick to go do that? So if I could obey you, I could obey Christ, and whoosh, I took off. And, and so obeying truth is my passion, uh, to be able to get to, into that place where it says, verse 9, but obey unrighteousness, indignation. They follow after troubles, tribulations, and anguish on the soul of every man who does evil. We're stricken by difficulties and hardships. Uh, this, these laws for authorized lawful homosexuality, the only thing, who suffers the most in that practice? They do. With, with the intensity of just uh, the number one murder in domestic relationships upon the land are not between heterosexuals. They're between gay people. They, they have the highest statistics for destruction. They don't live past the age of 42. That's, that's, the, that's the, 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 the standard of living. But all these statistics are not revealed uh, as they pass these laws. So that just reduces the lifespan of humans upon the earth. But once you, we were down in Key West and we saw this community. It says uh, this, this property is dedicated to the community of gays. How many know that a pair of gay people that come together and marry, since they have no offspring, how long does the community last? Just one generation, because they have no offspring. There is no community there. It's, it's a death, uh, uh, instead of a lifestyle, it's a death style, because it produces no fruit.
And so we had a man come in here some years ago, about two years ago, and he says, I came here because they said that your church was gay friendly. I said, give me a hug. We're friendly. And if you're gay, we'll hug you. And, and he says, no, but you said that God doesn't want me to be like this. God doesn't want you to be because he wants you to get married. He wants you to have children. He wants to have your children call you dad. He wants to have grandchildren. He wants a long life for you. And, and sad enough, six months later, he committed suicide. Um, and, and the reports are awful. Because the devil's a deceiver. He's a liar. And he strips them in depression. He strips them from their life. He came to kill, to steal, and to destroy the devil. And the lust and the desire of the flesh and all sin leads to death. The wages of sin is death. And so we're not mad at them. We're not upset at them. We want them to come to life just like we decided. We, we, we left darkness. We left confusion. We left chaos. We left sexual immorality to come to a place where he says, I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. John 10.10. 10. So that's our desire. It's, it's, not, it's not anything evil. It's not an evil desire towards them. Because the Bible says, verse 9, Romans 2, 9, Tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil. When you do things that are wrong, tribulation and anguish is your result. But, uh, to the Jew first and then to the Greek, verse 10, But to those who decide to do right, glory honor and peace to everyone who wants to do what is good to the Jew first and to the Gentile for God verse 11 is not partial there is no partiality with God he's not saying ah the, the homosexuals have to no he's saying come to life and then to the righteous he says don't go over there and then God is not making exceptions whatever you decide are the consequences you get if you decide evil, you get tribulation and anguish. If you decide God's presence and his ways and obedience and goodness, then you have uh, verse 10. We'll go back up there. You have those three things. You have glory, honor, and peace. The opposite of glory is shame. It's shameful. And, and, uh, and, and to do things that God doesn't want you to do ends up with the devil giving you a garment of shame. Instead of honor, it's dishonor. You're not going to be welcomed and uh, celebrated. And instead of peace, you're going to have anxiety and worry and, and you're going to be troubled. So um, here it is, 1 Corinthians 11.31. God tells his people that judgment begins in the house of God. Therefore, if we would judge ourselves, we would not need judgment. If when the word of God comes out, drawing a line between right and wrong, you gravitate over to right then you have the goodness of the Lord. That's what comes upon your life. If the line is divided between right and wrong and you gravitate to the wrong, you're going to live that experience which he says. So if you judge, you would not be judged. If you, if you consider these things, uh, they are beneficial to you. Um, there in 1 Peter 4, 6, we finish up with, For this reason the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to uh, men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Uh, in this chapter, he tells us in verse 17, and this is super important for you to listen to this part, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. We have no business going to judge them out there. We need to start being particular about our Christianity. I promise you, if we had Christians that would stop smoking, 
stop drinking, stop committing adultery, and start polishing up their lives, then out there we would make a greater impact. But it's super embarrassing to have a Christian run into a meeting saying, uh, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I'm a Sunday school teacher, and then run into his meeting smelling like smoke, cursing, telling dirty jokes. That's an abomination to God. Uh, you, to you, an abomination is two men to get married. To God, an abomination is that judgment begin in the house of God. And if it begins with us first, if God is going to bring out the measuring tape of righteousness before us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? If God is serious about us, he's going to be more serious about them. It's, it's crazy for you to think that you could be doing things a lo sly and be pointing, I can't, I can't believe, you know, I was really upset about the White House being painted in rainbow colors, uh, celebrating wickedness according to the word of God, his righteous judgment. That to me was sick. And so we know judgment is coming. When we had Queen Latifah last year marry 300 gay couples in the Oscars they, or the Academy Awards, they called a timeout and they brought all these couples and they were on TV, primetime television, across the land. And Latifah, oh, the wicked witch of the West, was marrying gay couples. That, to me, broke my heart. And it only spoke of one thing. What is the word that we know that comes to fix sin and unrighteousness? Judgment. Judgment is upon the land. We seem to forget the terrorist acts. We seem to forget Karina, the earthquake, the forest fires. We, we, we see our land is devastated by acts of judgment, and, and we continue to walk far from God. Um, and so there it is. R judgment begins in the house of God. Verse 19, 1 Peter 4, 19. Therefore, let those who are suffering according to the will of God commit their souls in doing good as to a faithful creator. Let, let's do our part. Um, let's do our part to, to be brighter in our testimony as Christians and... Um, and, and what's, I, I want to say this too, Isaiah 60, verse 3, where it says the deep darkness is going to cover the earth. Uh, verse 2, Isaiah 60, verse 2. Listen to this. Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. Deep darkness, the people. Don't be surprised that, that it's getting dark. Don't be surprised that things are getting more ungodly. That only has one purpose, that you arise and that his glory be seen upon you. Arise and shine. Uh, verse 1 says like that. Verse 1 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. While darkness is befalling the earth, great light. Arise and shine. Opportunity to shine in the midst of deep darkness. Verse 2, Arise and shine, for your light has come. For behold, deep darkness shall cover the earth. Deep darkness the people but the Lord will rise over you and his glory seen upon you. What's this going to be called? Why, why is God causing great darkness and light to shine? Verse 3, so that the Gentiles, those who don't know, shall come to your light. And the kings, the brightness of your rising. Let's stand today. Um, you be a reference. Let not darkness, the news of bad things happening, be greater than the life you're living for God. How many say amen? That when they want to do something wrong, you're sitting there saying, listen, 
I don't do that because the Word of God says this, and I honor God with my life. I honor God with my thoughts. I'm not overwhelmed uh, because the flood of judgment and devastation does not befall the righteous. God knows how to keep the wicked in judgment, and He knows how to deliver the godly in the midst of the fray. So a thousand will fall at one side and 10,000 at the other, but they're not going to come near me. No plague shall fall befall the house of the righteous. And I want to encourage you. I don't know. I've said this before. I don't know what else to say or do to cause you to be radical for Jesus. I don't know. If I knew, and if you tell me, Pastor, if you did this, I'll be a monster for God. I'll go do it. I'll go do it because that, that's what my role is. And as I was with GF last week, his role is to present a bride before Jesus Christ without spot or wrinkle. That you be faithful to your Lord. And that even in the midst of craziness, you'd not drop your guard, you not lower your standard, you not compromise, but you just take flight. Be an eagle. This is eagle country. Go to the highest level of righteousness. Not religiousness. Religiousness smells but righteousness. Ask God to polish your reverence for his presence upon the land. Ask him to spend more time in the word, more time in prayer. Ask him to lead you in the manifestation. One of the things that I write in this book, Alpha Male, the, I didn't know he was going to put that in there, but one of the things I write is talk is cheap and walking is profound. Those who walk out a legacy of courageous footprints to follow and to imitate the Lord. If, if I don't do things right, those that come behind me can't follow me. I could speak all I want, but unless I have the life. And so um, there has to be a truly divine connection in steps of obedience. I, 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 the, my, my walk and my profession has to have footprints that are grounded. If not, I'm deceiving myself and I'm deceiving everyone else. I want to be one of the things that, that, that caused us to gravitate underneath GF's leadership is that I don't want to be a devil. I don't want to raise up my throne above an authority of God. I want to, I want to come underneath an authority. And then we all have issues with rebellion and disrespect. But we should all have someone we point to to say, I honor that man of God. I want to be a refreshing to him. I want to him to know that I'm serious. And so to be able to have that, that context establishes you as a real son and daughter of God. For many Christians, you ask them, who's your pastor? They say God. You want to see a rebellious Christian? Ask them, who's your pastor? They'll say God. Because they want to have a relationship where there's no earthly accountability. But a real person will say, my pastor is, boom. And that's the man of God that I honor. That's the man of God that I refresh. That's a man of God who will tell you. And this is what I tell people. Give me the name of one person you listen to. And 99% of the people have nobody they listen to. They don't receive instruction from anybody. So you should have at least a couple of numbers, if not at least one, that will be your established measure of your Christianity in honor, obedience, submission, respect, service, 
and that makes you a child of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. We've come into the house of the Lord. It hasn't been a waste of time. It's been a time of eternal presence, of refreshing, oh God, as we have heard your word. And we posture our hearts in alignment to your truth. And we want to be more sanctified. We want to be more righteous. We've made a decision to come to Christ and to have no spot and no wrinkle and to be presented as a glorious bride at the day of his coming without having anything uh, to find, to be shamed of. But to be without reproach, to be blameless, to walk as you desire in this world, even in the midst of the floods of dissipation and iniquity, the lust, the immorality, the ungodliness, that there's a remnant of people who love you, who know the sacrifice you did on the cross, who have received your redemption, who welcome your salvation. And even today, we lift our eyes to the heavens, knowing that our redemption is soon to be revealed, O oh God, that the rapture is soon to come, and we want to be ready at your coming. We don't want earthly treasure. We don't want to walk in pride and arrogance, knowing you judge the angels, knowing you judge the ancient world, knowing you judge the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, knowing also you will judge in these last days ungodly men who pursue ungodly ways and who promote and celebrate wickedness instead of Jesus as king of glory. We honor you and we pray that you continue to work out this salvation in us that Jesus would be all over our families, all over our finances, all over our worship and faithfulness in service in the house of God, that we might be able to reach out to the lost and preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that his salvation, that his hope, that his righteous kingdom would be established, O oh God, in our hearts so that we not sin against you. We give you thanks this day. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.